enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different film from the horror genre, from your beloved classics down to that rare gem that you can see looking right at you through its own point of view, the back of your video (laughs) store shelf. This week, Tim and I were starting a brand new mini series. It's ambitious. It's called Elijah. Would you please come on our podcast? We're looking at the movies of Elijah Wood, a horror icon, I would say, a modern day horror icon. He's getting there. Yeah, in some respects. Uh, Tim, what would you like to experience from a different point of view? Ooh, um, I would like to. I would like to feel what it's like to be a, a woman. I I mean I I don't want that forever for sure. myself, but I think um I would be interested to see because there's a lot of talk about <clears throat> gender differences or gender existence being questioned in and of itself. I'd like to see what that difference is. One of the more interesting things that I ever heard was I was watching a excuse me, a tattoo show. And they had uh, a trans person on there who was making the transition from female to male. And as a, as a, a part of that protocol, what had started testosterone shots and the, uh, the trans person was talking about how that made them feel. And what he said was that as soon as he started the testosterone, everything became so clear like as if and it was almost like I, I couldn't really believe what I was hearing because it was kind of like almost a little bit of a slam of whatever uh, hormonal makeup women have. But it, but for that person in particular, at least yeah. they were like, oh, my God, like I just get it. Like it, it was like the the distance between A and B just got that much straighter and quicker. Yeah. And um, and they were saying about, you know, how much they they liked that. So but here's what's funny. It's often attributed to women that um, they are, what do you always hear? They're the emotional ones. They're driven. They're led by their emotions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in my experience, I find that women seem to be a lot more uh, aware of their emotions. Their willingness to speak to them honestly yeah. is a lot more prevalent than it is for guys. Right. So I don't know if that argument holds a whole lot of water. No, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah. They're more forthcoming in their emotions, probably. Recognizing and afraid of it. To sh- show them as much. Yeah. If we're going to get general. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I guess, yeah, I, I would, you know, whatever somebody might believe as far as the existence or non-existence of, of gender or, or anything like that, I, I think that that for me would be the ultimate, like, I wonder what that's like. Yeah. I wonder, I want to know how you bad. You kind of just want to know what it's like to cry a lot. I would, <laughs> I kind of, I, I could probably inform women on what it's like to cry a lot more I than I could I get from that. That's. 
<laughs> the bad taste joke anyway. You know and what you've I, already like, conquered yeah. that. You know what I'd I'd like to I'd like to see a nice comparison between uh menstrual pain and uh ball kicking pain. Mm-hmm. Because now granted we don't get kicked in the balls every month for right, lucky for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Nonstop. <laughs> right. So I guess we've got the, the you know, we we didn't draw the, the short straw there. No. Um but uh but we do have to hear about it. Yes, yes, we do. But yeah, what a burden. Um but no, I, I would I would uh I would be interested to to know I, I believe everything that I've been told, but I'd be interested to experience that for myself. Yeah. For like a day. Yeah. I love being a man. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, I love women, but I think that that would just be a really like eye-opening exercise. Yeah, man, that was a lot deeper uh, answer than I was expecting. <laughs> what would you? I was what like, would I'd you like to see a surgery? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to. What's it like to be left-handed? <laughs> right. <laughs> What's it like to jack that off left-handed? I want to know the burdens of like writing in notebooks, having yeah. to rest like a spiral notebook, having to rest your wrist on that spiral metal <laughs> spiral. That can't oh, be good. Here, here's one that's a little bit more universal, not quite as deep. This is something that I think would be cool as hell as somebody that can see normally for the most part. I'd love to be see what it's like to be colorblind. Not oh. that I wish that on people who are colorblind, but I one time asked a friend who is very much colorblind, which was kind of funny. One time we were all hanging out. It was a group of us. We were in our 20s. There was maybe six or seven of us. It was a hot day outside. There was no air conditioning. We're in an apartment. And um, but we had some popsicles. And somebody remembered that we had this one of those like old school like boxes, like 32 popsicles. And somebody remembered that it was in the freezer. And so they're like, oh, let's have those popsicles now. And everybody's so hot. And uh, the colorblind fella hops up to go get him, and everybody's like, I'll have an orange one. I'll have a lime one. I'll have a red one. He's like, you will get whatever the fuck I hand you because I have no idea what you're talking about. Plus, I taste each one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I but I asked him one time, I said, do you think and I don't know if this is impossible to answer, but I said, do you think that you see colors that we do not see like you don't see the colors that we see do you think that there is a color in your world that we don't have a name for yeah and he said absolutely and he says that but how would he know how would he know (laughs) right right and i think he'd be kind of yeah actually i see this color that's like a mix of like red and blue it's weird you guys probably don't have a word for that yeah, you've got no clue with this thing that's like a mix between black and white when you put them together. Like, you just, there's yeah. no way to describe that. Um, so, no, I, I, uh, I, but here's the thing in, in total answer to your question, I do go out of my way to try and shake up perspective a lot because I think a lot of times, harder times or more difficult emotional times that people go through are triggered by very, very little small occurrences. You, you, you get stuck on one thought or one, you know, uh, unfortunate occurrence, and you allow that to overwhelm you so that it's, it's healthy for you to, to continually change up your perspective, um, to make sure that you're looking at things the right way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I try to do that a lot. That's good. I think looking at things the right way is important. Yeah. Because there's a real way to look at things the wrong way. Yes, there is. Which makes you a bit of a maniac. <laughs> it does. Well, Tim, it's Maniac from 2012. It was uh, so. This is a remake from 1980s film of the same name. 
This was written by. Now this is going to give me trouble. Alexander Aja. Or I'm going to I'm going to go with Aya. 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 Very good. Okay. That's my third guess. And uh, uh, French Gregory Lavasseur. That was uh, yeah. What, what's what's that last one? Lavasseur. Lavasseur. Yeah. Lavasseur. La- Lavasseur. Yeah. He's, a, he's an ex- he's an expert of lava. Yeah. He's a lava sewer. He's a lava sewer. <laughs> uh, this is directed by Frank Calfoon. Uh, uh, <laughs> They're just fucking with these, us at yeah, this these point. These names are insane. I've never seen Frank spelled F-R-A-N-C-K. Is I mean, it Frank? Fr- it might be Frank. Yeah. It might be German. I don't know. I'm hoping you know. And this stars Elijah Wood <laughs> and Nora... Arnezader. Oh my gosh, they're just <laughs> taking us through the rough. ringer. Yeah. And this is like the least rough part of this movie. <laughs> uh, at a budget of six million, which shocked me. Six million. I don't know what they spent it on. And a box office, I would guess Elijah Wood. Yeah. And then the box <laughs> office, uh, 2.6 million. Yeah. Um, I didn't know this movie existed mm-hmm. until you said it. Uh, here, we'll do Frank uh, Nan some. Frank Zito is a third generation small business owner who restores antique mannequins. He is also a schizophrenic who stalks women and scalps them, placing their hair on his mannequins. But when he meets Anna, a photographer, he wonders if this can't be the one who finally settles his storm. But constant visions of his mother and his prevailing mental health drive Frank to more killings until he's literally torn apart by his mess, his past misdeeds. Maniac. I just love the nonchalance there. Like, maybe I'll use that. I had on, to bring some levity to this, man, because <laughs> this is a, this. I'd love to use that on a Suicide Squad. I wanted to use that on a a dating website, like those old school like '90s videos that people would make. Like, yeah. hello, I'm Tim. I'm a third generation business owner, schizophrenic, <laughs> um, sc- big into scalping, uh, long scalps on the beach. That's um, that. You remember that Mr. Show sketch, the Larry Cleese, who's the sex offender, and he had to. Yeah. He always had it, so he'd be like, ah, "My name is Larry Cleese. Uh, <laughs> insurance is my game. Raping was another game of mine." <laughs> was like, probably my favorite skit of theirs. Good so good. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Rape's it is. Funny, it is. Uh, it is a uh, a nice return to form for us. Um, after the beloved The Suicide Squad. Yeah. But this is, uh, you're right, this is a brutal film. Um, it is complex in its brutality, though, because um, maybe not quite as straightforward as it would seem. And, and I'll tell you, the, the, the more modern movies that we cover, I'm starting to wonder if anybody's going to make a horror movie where a bad guy is just bad anymore. Like, because it, 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 they're really exploring, and it isn't a, a negative but I feel like modern films are really exploring the fact that, you know, if somebody is bad, maybe it's not entirely their fault. Right. And that would certainly be the case in this movie. Yeah. Ever since Wreck-It Ralph, people have really leaned into that. Yeah. You can be bad guy, but not be bad guy. <laughs> right. Right. So um, just real quick, because there's there's so much to talk about with this movie. Um, but I want to just say real quick, because we love our titles. What what what, what, what weird title for this movie it's it's i love it don't yeah. get me wrong I, I love maniac just is you're like well i should probably see that <laughs> um but isn't that uh it doesn't really connect with much other than he's got some issues yeah because you think maniac and maybe it's because the words are so close together but it's all it's like manic yeah it's like you expect a lot of like 
high intensity. Right. Uh, but he's very withdrawn uh, person. I'm, I'm, you're surprised at how violent he is. Maybe that's part of it. Or how he's able to overpower people. Because yeah. would. Yeah. And not so much the case in the 1980 version, which we'll talk a little bit about some comparisons there. But um, maybe it's just a little bit kind of an outdated term, too. Like, I mean, kind of like remember when we were talking about uh, the Prowler. Yeah. And like, when was the last time anybody said that? Like, <laughs> right. Meaning somebody breaking into your house. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Um I can't remember, like, if I guess if you're trying to be funny or something or saying that somebody is really enthusiastic about something, right. you'd say maniac. maniac, but you wouldn't just say, like, like this maniac cut me off. Right. You know, um, there's a maniac on the loose. It's kind of like there's a there's one intersection in town where twice, twice I've pulled up where the people haven't trimmed the hedges back. So I have to pull up. And it was the same guy both times on a bike <laughs> that got pissed off that I was that I was pulled up into the lane. But I had to see where the, the uh, cars were coming from. And both times he just said, moron, <laughs> like just yelled moron at me um, both times. And he's the one on a bike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But I guess it's better than maniac. Um, <laughs> but either way. Yeah. Interesting title. Interesting movie. Um and uh, but before we get into the uh, the original version, um, this is neat. This the origins of this movie are kind of what dreams are made of. Um, there was a producer who grew up in Paris and he had seen this movie, which apparently like maniac killed in France. <laughs> like they they loved it. The, the first one, the or? first one okay. in, in 1980. So he was a kid and he saw it and I've I've not seen hmm. all of Is that why there are so many French names? Am I getting ahead? No, no, no yeah. Okay. Um there's but, a lot of French sounding names associated with this. Right. Yeah, it, it well yeah, because I I think a a couple of the producers are French. Okay. So um yeah, that 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 would explain it. But he sees this movie as a kid and um so it haunts him. And and that original version is very hardcore. Tom Savini, a uh, friend of the show, uh, <laughs> is uh, did the makeup for it. So even though it was done in 1980, the makeup is, is very gruesome. It's it's very bloody. It's very uh, visceral. And um, so. Uh, so this kid sees it as, as, you know, a young person and it it affects him. But he goes on to have success in Hollywood and and the filmmaking industry. And what I'm getting at as far as like the the Hollywood dream, he gets himself to a point where he's like, you know what? I want to remake that one movie that fucked me up as a kid. <laughs> and I don't even care if it makes a dime. I just want to do this movie. He just came off, and you might know this. Do you remember a movie called The Artist? Yeah. Okay. What, what, what was that movie? That was that silent movie, that black and white silent movie. That won, like, the guy won best, I think it won best picture that year. Okay, okay. And the guy won best actor, maybe? I don't remember his name. He's a French guy. Yeah. John Goodman's in it. I know that. Okay. So, the these, good movie. I enjoyed it. These producers had just come off of the artist. Oh, wow. And th- when they approached the director with saying, like, hey, you know, one of us watched this as a kid, and and uh, they're kind of a, a production duo. Um they approach the director and they're like, one of this watch, one of us watched this as a kid and we were really affected by it. And we were thinking about doing it. And he's like, this is your follow-up to the artist. You want to remake like an unknown slasher from 1980. And they're like, yeah, we, we do. So, um, 
So they they brought in the director and they kind of gave him free reign and they they literally told him like like what I just said, we don't care what this movie does as long as it's cool. We we want this movie to be cool. Like just make something fucking neat. Yeah. You know, and if if it makes a dime, great. If if not, no problem. So that that gives him a lot of uh free reign and he didn't want to necessarily just copy the 1980 original. So they sat around uh, the producers and the director and kind of brainstormed as to how can we present something new? And there came the idea to do it almost, almost entirely in point of view or uh, POV. So rather than what we usually see in horror, which is we're kind of sympathizing with the victim and what terror they're experiencing, we are instead in this movie just treated to the mindset and the vision, the physical vision of the killer. Yeah. It's not like it hasn't been used before. No. But to this extent, and we'll get a lot more into that, into to what all that took to make that happen yeah. and how involved it was, um, is uh, it was a pretty ballsy choice. Yeah. Because it's, I mean... That's this movie. It sounds like, oh, you see a lot from this guy's point of view. No, you never get like an establishing shot of two people you're talking about something else. Like everything in this movie is from his point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was it. That's how they actually pitched it to Elijah Wood. Um, one of his friends was a producer. And Elijah was, uh, I think it was actually pitched to him before Elijah Wood had started his production company, his horror production company. So he wasn't seeing a lot of horror scripts, like like none. And um, so, but it, he's, as we've said before, huge fan of the genre. So this producer friend of his says, hey, we're remaking this movie. Elijah Wood hadn't seen it. He kind of, it was on his list. He knew like, hey, that's one of those 80s slashers that I got to get to, but I, I hadn't gotten to yet. So that's where he was at with it. But the way they pitched it to him was, how would you feel about doing this horror movie? We're going to do a POV. You, you work don't for have like, to be in it. You work for like two weeks. You know, he, you, he worked for two weeks. Yeah, they're, they're, Dude, he's well, in this movie for two minutes. Well, maybe. we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. he's, he's in he's in the whole thing. But we'll get to that. in oh, a second. OK, so that that's how they pitched it to him. And that was kind of like their hook. And he's like, yeah, that sounds really cool. Like, you're just going to see me in reflections and mirrors and windows like a couple weeks work. And yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Um, and so they they start production and. Uh, quickly, without saying, you know, needing to say it, we'll just get to it right now. Um, the, the main character of Frank is played by a couple of different people in this movie. One of them is Elijah Wood. The other one was the director of photography who is holding the camera. Uh-huh. And they took that very, very seriously. The, the, the DP as they're called. Um, he dressed in the same uh, costume as Elijah Wood in case it, he happened to be in the frame. Uh-huh. Um, it's his hands that are like uh, touching the the actress's breasts. The DPs, the DP. Okay, but there was that's what a, I was wondering. There was Elijah a, Wood's hands wherever they were. Okay. They would switch back and forth depending on, like they said, every single shot that they did in this movie was like a puzzle. They had to figure out, okay, if we want me in this mirror, you know, can we use my hands? Do we have to use your hands? Every single scene was filmed, or I, I'm sorry rehearsed 
with Elijah Wood acting out the scene with his whatever co-star was in the scene. Okay. And then when they would run through the scene, then it would switch to the DP and they would then have just rehearsed it with Elijah Wood, but now be reacting to the camera. Okay. Elijah Wood would be standing behind the DP. So he was the, always there. Always there. Okay. And that's Which is great. fucking awesome. Yeah, there was a bit watching this where I'm like, all right, is this just like... Because th- that doesn't feel like something Elijah Wood would do. Like, right. I'm going to get a paycheck and be in this movie for two minutes. But he's literally physically like you see him for no more than two minutes. Right. Yeah. As you add up every brief reflection. And there are like two shots where it's like, OK, here's. Yeah. I, and also, I shouldn't say everything's POV. There are like two shots that are not POV. Yeah. But they're artistically done to not be POV. Right. So, um, so yeah, so there's, there's a lot of like really cool commitment going on. And what Elijah Wood was saying in an, in an interview was that he was really impressed with the DP because like, not only is he working on filming and framing whatever scene he's filming, but like he would see him like breathing deeply. Like, I mean, he was, the DP was approaching it as a, as an actor, as much as he was a, a camera person. So very, very cool. Um, and it's done wonderfully. So I guess just kind of touching on that, uh, that Nan sum there, we've got a guy who is very clearly schizophrenic. He's paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. And, um, we, it's pretty well established, although it's not spoon fed to us, but if you've got eyes, you can pick up the fact that his mother was a prostitute and that he witnessed her, um, uh, laboring her vocation sure. and uh, and doing drugs and bringing different Johns into the house. And um, what's really funny is that at the heart of this, it, I, I think it was the trauma of seeing her, his mother have sex with these multiple people, but it was also sort of the abandonment. Yeah. There's a lot of neglect and, built into it. And prior to her, and we're getting to the good stuff here. Prior to her, as we would say, going out every night um, to to start her shift as a prostitute, he would have a nice moment with her where he would brush her hair. And that that's a nice moment. That's before it gets bad, before the the bad men come, before I see her do those naughty things, whatever, whatever's in his his childhood mindset. But before that happens, before she goes out, I brush her hair. She's so pretty. Her hair is so pretty. And uh, and she's still here with me. Yeah. So because of that connection, now he has a sort of mental clasp on hair. And what he's trying to do is uh, or what he essentially does is when he goes out and he stalks these beautiful women and we'll get to that in a second, too. <laughs> these beautiful women um, scalps them and brings the their scalps home to his family business which is uh refurbishing mannequins and staples the scalps of these women onto the mannequins now once he does that in his schizophrenic vision or his field of view they really become real yeah like those are real people to him now and he probably even sees them as real yeah Um, yeah and I mean, he does. We get to yeah. see his point of view. He does see them as real people. So it's his way of, of doing it. Now, talking a little bit about the first movie. The first movie is a lot more linear. Did you see the first movie? I've, I've seen a good chunk of it. Okay. I haven't, I haven't I've just seen, seen like some clips just in preparation for this, but so, I've not seen the actual movie. 
it's uh, the character of Frank is played by Joe Spinelli, which you would know if you had seen any of the Rocky movies, especially the early ones where he's the loan shark that Rocky works for. That's who plays um, Frank in the original. And that's why there's a quick mention in this version where, hey, you look a lot. He goes on a Frank goes on a date. The The date says you look a lot different. And he says, what do you think I would look like? And she said, well, just kind of tall with like long, greasy black hair and acne scars, which is what Joe Spinelli looks right. like. But um, in the first movie, yeah, he is a gross looking guy. He kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to disparage but, the guy, but, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's not on the he cover wasn't of 1980s hot. No, he's not on the cover of GQ anytime <laughs> soon. Um, it's on the cover of G E U. G, comma, always building. So that movie spells things out a little bit more linearly. There's a quote in that first movie where his character says uh, beauty is a crime punishable by death. And so there's a few things at play here we've already talked about the, the abandonment, the witnessing the, the sexual activity of his mother. Um, but there's also a strange sort of like, um, almost like he feels because he, he does very clearly target beautiful women, like undeniably beautiful women. Yeah. So there's something that is his connection to beauty, whether he thinks that he's saving them from doing something wrong or he's just attracted to that is what he wants to keep and surround himself with, yeah. which makes sense. But um, but the scalping thing uh, does, for what we're talking about as far as this being a hardcore movie, <clears throat> as a viewer, it's it's pretty gnarly to sit through. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't really hold back. I was, I'm like, the, the effects aren't super, because they definitely lean in on computer effects. It's actually oh. all practical. It is? It's all practical. I know it's it's crazy. The, all of all of the scalpings are practical. Oh wow! All right, maybe the physical act, but they add digital blood and stuff. There, there's a lot of like splatter and stuff. Like not to say that it's all digital right. effect, but there's a lot of like blood splatter and spray that looks digital. It maybe might, I'm wrong. Might, might be a mix. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I could believe like the actual pulling that might that was practical. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Man, admit, yeah, I say I got. Maybe I should rewatch it. I don't know if I can rewatch this movie. Well, I I will just say we'll we'll talk to these. Uh, this is the second time I've accused a movie of <laughs> using CGI, and you're like, now nope, all practical. <laughs> well, let's let's talk real quick about something that we certainly can agree on: um, the women. Um, and I, I know that in this podcast, I feel like we try to give a good balance. Like we'll say when a guy's good looking, oh, we, don't, yeah. we don't we don't have any problem with no. that. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, so, but but the women and it, it it's okay to talk about it's not objectifying even though that's a tricky word to use with this movie it's not objectifying to say how beautiful the women are in this movie because it's specifically yeah. geared. it's not like they got like finished the movie and we're like did anyone notice we just cast hot women <laughs> right that's crazy yeah it just we just lucked yeah. upon that yeah real yeah. conscious decision here. yeah um no, the the women in this movie are gorgeous and the, and they are beautiful in in different ways. Um some of them like uh not to overstate it, but sort of like breathtakingly so. Like some of them so pretty that it makes you kind of like feel like you're going to pass out. <laughs> yeah. Um and uh the lead, I was like, now I got to find out what else she was in. <laughs> right. Which I, she was on some show Nancy used to watch called Zoo. I haven't seen that. Which I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I kind of remember her from that. It's not a good show." 
No. It's like animals like take over the, you know, they step up to man and start taking over. Oh, yeah. Like, don't act like animals would. Oh, that's how evolution works, Tim. Yeah. Well, eventually. Suddenly things start uh, acting erratically to fight back against humans. Yeah. Well, until they get those thumbs. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Good luck. I'm not worried. Um, Door. (laughs) God damn it. But, uh, so yeah, gorgeous women, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and the, it's funny. It's not really a movie that you think about the acting very much. Fucking superb acting in this movie. Superb. Especially with the awkwardness of just like talking to a camera, essentially the whole time. Yeah. And, and for uh, like Elijah Wood talks about a lot is that a lot of his character was born in the ADR, which is the additional uh, dialogue recording. Yeah. So you and I are, are usually hating on ADR um, because it's, it's distracting. It takes you out of the scene, but there's something about hearing Elijah Wood's voice in the ADR where it's, you know, recorded after the, the film itself that gives it almost more of an, an like an inner monologue feel. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they would, they would make that choice to do that. Um, and it's very, very affecting. Um, his first line in the movie where he's watching two women um, and then one of them, two friends walking on the street and one of them leaves in a cab and the other one is approached by some men that are drunk and they're kind of, you know, being hitting on her in a yeah. sort of shitty way. And the first thing that Elijah Wood says is, I don't know why I got choked off all of a sudden. That's <laughs> uh, so weird. Like uh, he says, uh, he says, leave her alone. And it's like, it's, I'm sorry. Like I just had a weird reaction to that. Like we actually do love women on this show. Like we are very protective as much as we talk about it, but that's the first thing he says is leave her alone. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's very, very affecting, um, and this guy, this kid is, is obviously this person is extremely troubled and, um, he, uh, yeah. Cause he says leave her alone cause he wants to murder well, her. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want you to do that. That's me. That's it, my job. You, you, do you think that's what it is? Yeah. I feel like it's more like he's speaking to them as if they were like reminding him of his mom's John's. Mm, like, okay, like it, what maybe. he wished he could have said to, to like leave her alone. Like when he would watch those things happen. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Maybe in that moment it is more protective, but it is also, I think subconsciously like, because she's mine, like leave her alone. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I I, I read that a different way, but yeah, I could, I could see both. Yeah, I could see both. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's. I don't think Elijah Wood is somebody that's specifically known like uh, a Morgan Freeman for their voice, but he does have a very nice voice. Yeah. Oh for no, this. he does a lot of good voiceover. He does yeah. a lot of voice acting, and uh, so it's it's very effective. But the tone is set very early as far as the brutality the first kill if you remember is mm-hmm. shocking i mean maybe you kind of know about the scalping thing going into this maybe but there is a stabbing that goes up through the bottom of what would be i guess the the bottom of the jaw yeah right but right through the middle so to, to where the knife then goes up into her mouth yeah and she's screaming so you can see the knife inside the mouth and then it's going up into her soft palate yeah and i'll say what's effective about that at least for me because that part i did watch the trailer for it and that part is in the trailer and she screams then it like cuts to the title or whatever yeah so you're just kind of like 
Oh, it probably like goes to black or something. But where they cut it at the trailer, that's right where the knife comes up. So that was still a nice like, oh shit, okay, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah because he the the line right before he says, "Please don't scream," and then she goes to scream, and immediately the yeah. knife goes in. But her mouth is open, yeah. you know, like she's like right on the verge. It's so good, and well, she gets um, out a little, just like a, yeah, a, like a little uh, half yeah. second, yeah. Oh, it's so. And you and I both were like, "Fuck!" <laughs> yeah. Like it, it totally took us by surprise. So after that happens, shortly after that happens, we get to another aspect of this movie that I think is really fun to talk about. Um, I'm talking about cool. We talk a lot about fun. (laughs) Talk a little bit about cool here. Um, There are things that are cool that are trying to be cool. And it doesn't mean that that if something is is having to make the effort to be cool, that it isn't. But then there are things that are effortlessly cool. I'll give you an example. The. The Breakfast Club is trying to be cool. It is cool. It's yeah. the fucking Breakfast Club. Right. But but I mean the the music choices, the the dialogue, the um, you know, it, it's trying very hard to achieve a certain level of coolness. Yeah. This movie feels effortlessly cool. Like I think when we both were started watching it that we felt that and a lot of that is owed to the bad ass synth soundtrack. Yeah. It's this, and remember, this is before 2012, so it's way before Stranger Things. So it was kind of before that resurgence of like 80s synth, you know, that kind of like um, really uh, deliberate thumping like synth yeah. sound. And um, the, the music is done by. Do you remember the, uh, who uh, the Rob? Rob. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> Listed as Rob, um, but it's uh, it's a very cool soundtrack. It it really captures the tone. And uh, and yeah, what you get here, despite it being a movie about scalping women, which is done very graphically and, you know, um, violence towards women and all these things, somehow they manage to get like a really slick looking movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looks cool. The the vibe of it, the feel of it, um, it doesn't feel like it's violence against women like um like that's the hook. Like we're trying to shock you. We're trying to get off some creepy weirdos by showing violence towards women. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah. It feels slicker. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I felt it was cool. Really? But I get what you're saying. Style. There's a style of it. Yeah. The aesthetics are like, cause okay. Now let, let me, let me remind, let me remind you when he like first goes onto the dating website to find what would be his second victim in the movie. Yeah. Um, just the way that the, the scene is compiled where like, we see this sort of like, um, patchwork of like him typing and we hear some of that voiceover and we get some of that soundtrack going and yeah. we see some, like, there's a nice layering. The, 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 um, the editing of it is done in sort of a slick, neat, cool way. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's cool. Right. <laughs> it is. I mean, right. it's it's hard to make. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I don't know if I use that word, but I don't know what word I'd use. So I'll go with cool. I'll yeah. go with cool. Stylish. It is stylish. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the POV would really bother me, uh, but it didn't at all. Like, I, you kind of forget about it. It's yeah. weird until you see his reflection. Then you're like, oh, right. Yeah. No, you're yeah, you're right. Because they throw in, they give us just enough. Oh, right, I mean, Elijah Woods in this. What's yeah, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> they give you just enough. Like, I mean, you'll see, you know, his hands or his arms, or 
they also make some interesting choices. Like when you, there's one scene where he's in, there's a, a couple of large mirrors, but what you end up seeing him in is like the small circular mirrors. That yeah. There, yeah. There's one. Yeah. There, that's uh, one of my very cool favorite shots. Yeah. Where it's like in two different mirrors, the big mirror, and then he's in the little makeup mirror. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, so what's, what's kind of interesting about this movie is, is really kind of getting at the heart. We've talked a little bit about it of, of why he's doing what he's doing. And it would all seem to add up to a guy that was um, really menacing or uh, hulking or mean. But we're talking about Elijah Wood here. Yeah. So what do you think about the casting of Elijah Wood in this movie playing this character? Yeah, I was a little conflicted because I do like Elijah Wood a lot and I like his performances. That being said... As this character now, yeah, I mean, he does stalk a few women, but there are a few w- women who are like drawn to him. Yeah. Um, and unless he's Elijah Wood, I don't think he's getting these women. You know what I mean? Elijah Wood has a very unique look. Yeah. But it's very impish and a little, uh, you know, that's why he worked so well as a hobbit. Right. He kind of has this like his eyes are very unique. Um, he projects an innocence yeah yeah. uh he has a very like um like his bone structure and his face is very unique yeah like very pronounced sure um you know he's got he's a he's elijah wood he's got that elijah wood look and not to and not to say like if he wasn't charming he couldn't pull it off yeah but he is like a weird withdrawn guy who anytime I see him in a reflection in this movie looks f- weird and creepy. Yeah, he looks like he needs to sit down for a minute. <laughs> right. So I don't see like maybe a woman talking to him, but not certainly one not being like, well, I would love to get to know you more because you're interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I, I did read a little bit about that. I don't know if it if it explains everything, but. They talked a little bit about his costuming and his look in this movie, which he isn't um, overly plain. He's got some outfit choices that are, I think are kind of cool. Like he wears this one turtleneck. It looks good. Um, he They didn't want to make him overly plain, um, but they also didn't want to make him like super flashy because he's not trying to attract attention. But he is trying to at least present uh, an image to these women that he needs. He's a hunter. So he he needs in the same way that a hunter might spray deer urine on himself, which right. is kind of a weird example. But he needs to project some sort of normalcy um, to even be approachable uh, f- for these women. Yeah. So um, he just looks kind of like um, pretty just normal, I guess. I mean, yeah. he, does, he doesn't look like, um, oh, look at that freak over there. Right. He looks a little a very unassuming. Yeah. 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 So. um yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting choice. I I think that one maybe they thought of this. I'm not sure, but one kind of bonus that you get. Women, right in. Is Elijah Wood hot? That yeah. one I don't know. I can't. He even shaved his hairline back. I can look at Lance Hendrickson and Pumpkinhead and say hot. <laughs> right. I've never said that yeah. about Elijah Wood. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If it's if it's Lance Hendrickson, they're like, would you please fucking scout me already? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I'll start it. Yeah. <laughs> Get it started a little bit, yeah. Um, but so <laughs> the one good thing about it, though, is because he does have that youth, youthful appearance, 
I think it's a nice thing, even if it's subconscious, we see him as a boy. There's a particular scene where he's with that uh, the second kill, the the girl that he meets on the dating website, where we get a really nice view of him where he's looking at a mirror that's above a bed. It's on mm-hmm. a ceiling mirror. And while he is a grown man, um, when the the prostitute is is initiating oral sex with him, he looks well, she's un- not a prostitute. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry, not a prostitute, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, just from a dating she's website, just but. someone who's free with her sexuality. That's exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, not not prostitute, but um, he he looks very much like. I mean, it doesn't look like he's a 10 year old, but he's projecting uh, that sort of like fearfulness or vulnerability that a a child would have. Yeah. And so getting that from casting an Elijah Wood is kind of a nice bonus because we get to obviously everything that's happening in this movie is a direct correlation to what happened to him as a child. Mm -hmm. So to have a man, a grown man who has a youthful appearance, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can get behind that. So let's talk for a second about Anna. Yeah. Anna is our, uh, are we going to call her a final girl? (laughs) I mean, she's our lead, our lead female. And um, Nora, Arnazader, Arnazader. I don't when, know. When, when I like to call her, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's so good. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, that kind of, it was, was that French? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, she, when we first see her, she is just as likable as can be. She's a photographer. Um, she's actually happens to be working on a, uh, an exhibit that that features mannequins. So that's why she is introduced to Frank because she's taking pictures in front of his mannequin store. And um, he eventually sort of reluctantly, but invites her in and she is, I don't even know the word for it. I swear to God, you should just watch this movie. If nothing else to tell me what it is that she is when she's inside that mannequin store, because charming does not begin to cover it. It's like uh, she's just being normal. Like yeah. completely normal, but just the way that she like uh, touches the mannequins, the way that she is speaking to him so honestly and yeah. but friendly. It, you can't help but love this girl. And I think you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to fall in love with her. Yeah, sure. As a viewer. Yeah. And um, she looks great. She's got that great hat that you like. Yeah. She's that, got the nice, the slouchy knit. Yeah. Not really a beret, but, but kind you know, of sits yeah. on the back of the head. Yeah. yeah. This is a very cute look. Yeah. And um, and so what you're getting here is is sort of the root of Frank's character. It's part of the problem is that he's not just frustrated because his mom was a prostitute and, and he witnessed it. It's because his own sexual um, evolution is stunted as a result of his trauma. So even if he sees a girl that he likes and he wants to be with her, he can't. Right. Because of that that uh, tie that he has to to his mother and and what he witnessed, so he really likes Anna, yeah. Um, and and he really wishes that he could be with her, but uh, but he can't because I went when I went back and watched it uh, a second time. I kind of skimmed it again. Um, there's a lot of dialogue that he's saying to his mother, saying like, "Why can't I have one? Why won't you? Why do you always have to get in the way?" Oh. And so. 
he feels not only not only is he trying to keep his mother, but it's like a love hate relationship. He he she he knows that she's also preventing him from having his own relationship. Yeah, because he can't separate the two. Is that when he is? Because he also has like a little boy mannequin. That mm-hmm. I, I feel like he speaks through. Well, I mean, it's really only one part. You see right. it. Uh, is that when that happened? I feel like I missed maybe no, missed those parts where he was- it's when after he strangles the not prostitute, just a girl on the dating website. Right. After he strangles her, um, she does have a lip ring though, so I can see how you were confused. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> It's one yeah, of the undesirables yeah. of society. Yeah, why don't you just star in Calig- Caligula Part Two for fuck's sake? I mean, you're just making it obvious. Um, but no, she. Uh, he has this moment where after she's dead, he's saying like he literally says like, "Why won't you let me have one? Like, why do you always get in the way?" Okay. And so, and but then he'll quickly he'll say something like that, but then he'll say, "I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'll make it better." And that's when he starts scalping her. Okay. So it's it's uh he's very very torn when it comes to his mother. I mean, that's some major issues. Yeah. There. Okay, I remember that. I guess I just didn't realize he was I just kind of thought he was talking crazy. But that makes sense that he was kind of talking to his mom. Yeah. And um and he's also like we talked about also speaks to the mannequins where I think he feels like uh obviously he he struggles to relate to normal people in society that are right. schizophrenic. Um so he kind of creates this little family within his own mannequins. Um, and wanting them to get along and wanting right. to introduce them to each other and yada, yada. Um, like you're in trouble when your fantasy people can't get along. Like you're like, please <laughs> don't fight with each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah, if it'd be like if you lived next to a graveyard and you were pissed off about like how noisy the neighbors are <laughs> like that's it's not going to get any better than no. this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he's he's severely troubled and i think what makes it even worse is that not only are these women um beautiful that he stalks but they also seem like really nice people and and so you're you're always rooting for it to go the other way but it doesn't and her agent's probably the meanest one and that was the one that we get out of pov exactly (laughs) and i i that was i cracked it you did and you were the first one you actually called that you you said that was of the first shot that was out of pov um so anna you know has her uh show and and um with the mannequins and everything frank is there he sees her agent or meets her agent and her agent is kind of dismissive of the whole thing yeah you know like i just don't get it like i think the whole thing's silly or stupid or whatever huh yeah well they're antiques yeah and it's like basically his whole life so (laughs) so therein lies one possible explanation for being out of pov when he kills her the agent i don't believe that he's killing her with the same motivation that he kills the other women which is to you know to scalp them to keep them i think he's there's a little bit of of anger there yeah but it's also he very, very, very clearly sees her as his mother. Mom, yeah. I think he sees these other girls as women. I mean, women that that he wants to take home and keep, but um, and and to be his girlfriend or to be his friends. With her, he very clearly sees her as his mother. Yeah, that and, that scene too has like one of the most disturbing parts for me where because he has her like hogtied on the bed and he's on her back and he's got this huge knife and he's just kind of like dragging it down her back but not cutting her yeah and it's one of those then he starts to cut her and just that idea of like 
why you know what goes through the mind to then decide to start cutting and it's just these like nice long clean cuts and you're and it's just like oh like that's not gonna kill someone that just hurts and that's like you know what's happening and it probably just burns uh there's nothing you can do about it like that part i was just like oh god like that got me the most that's that's really insightful it was fine with (laughs) it's super insightful because that those that was the scene that elijah wood was bothered the most by um because it is his i mean the, the actress if you know anything about stunt work you know that the person that the action is being done to is the one that's controlling the action yeah so when he's putting her when he initially en- encounters her he she's in the bathtub and he puts her head under the water and that was elijah wood having to put this woman's head under the water and he he said that 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 bothered him and um and that it was it was difficult to do that the one thing that i thought was kind of nice that kind of takes the edge off it a little bit is that he said that he was able to get through it by just loving horror so much, like by being such a horror fanatic and a fan of the genre. Yeah. You're doing something that feels really mean, mean spirited. You're killing somebody, but, um, but he knew that it was a part of a a project of a genre that he loves. So that's what would kind of save him for, you know, but he did say it was tough. It was difficult. And, and he does very clearly say like when he's talking to her, like, did you think changing your hair and your makeup was going to fool me? I mean, right. addressing her as his mother. Yeah. So this is, you're right. There is something different about this one. The agent it's she's older. She's yeah. not to say that she's not unattractive, but I mean, she's not of the caliber that the other women. Right. Are. So yeah, he, um, and, and that, I think that is, if I, if memory serves, that's maybe the most brutal scalping. Yeah. It's we get we linger on that. Well, all of them are all of them are. Do you think in order to get over it? Oh, I can't think of what movie this is from the uh, it's the night again. <laughs> yeah. He just uh, puts that in some headphones. He's like, oh, yeah. yeah right. What yeah. was that from? That is from. Oh, my. Fuck, yeah. Um, we're all right. Again. Yeah. Uh, oh, my the God. Head, her head's in the fish. Yes. Tank. Yes. Yes. Man, um, I can't remember. It was um uh, uh it was the Tom Hanks one. Uh, he oh, knows you're alone. right. He yes. knows you're alone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. yeah. Will you play that again when you uh, when you put this yeah, one maybe, out? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's the night again. So, uh, yeah. So it's um, it is spectacularly brutal. One of the things there's a there's two moments in this movie that aren't even the scalpings that are kind of like gross as gross as those, if not more so. One of them is that when he has these human scalps back at his place, they don't they don't keep well. You know, I mean, it's if you don't have the proper. This is also one of the worst parts. It's not like he's got it in a humidor or something like that. So he's constantly spraying like raid, like bug spray because they're attracting bugs. Oh, yeah. That wasn't the part of it. Oh, I know. When he like. Yeah, because there's it's early on when. This might be the second one. This might be the girl from the website. But he like gets back to his place. It's not? Is are it you, the first one? Oh, are you talking this about where that? He like No, it's just like where he gets back and like pulls the oh. scalp out of a plastic <laughs> oh, yeah. bag. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like 
matted and gross. And it's, I'm like, oh, like that reminds me, I still need to clean out the drain in my shower. Yes. It was like running slow. And I was like, oh, this is disgusting, but reminds me of housework. You know what it's like? It's like fucking seaweed. It's yeah. Like pulling up your hand with like a glob oh, of seaweed yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to speak to the, there is a, um, and these are, are just a, a treasure whenever you see them in any movie. I'm surprised that's not used more often. We get we do get a nice uh, Achilles heel, uh, oh, Achilles yeah. tendon slash. Yep. That's all. We all, you just squeeze. If you're listening, just go down and squeeze your Achilles tendon for one sec. Just really yeah. like crank on that. Like if you sliced that thing, it, it would it would hurt like hell. And um, there's and, and the worst part is, is that that particular victim is a dancer. So her dancing days are over. Yeah. I mean, aside the fact from the fact that she's dead. But uh, prior to that, yeah, she she gets a slash of the Achilles. Really some brutal stabs in the back. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, See, it's now, crazy. That whole sequence is one of those. That was for me, like where. Like the killer is too confident in like knowing he won't get caught like you're literally like she knows because she's like on the train with him right that's the whole sequence right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she's on the train with him is already creeped out by him on the train also uh, uh ladies or anyone uh if you see someone uh, creeping you out on a train and you get off and they also get off get back on the train yeah yes <laughs> rule number one it's cool you can still get to your destination it's fine or stay where there are people yeah or yeah do something um but yeah so she already like is like this guy's chasing me and she essentially is like screaming for help through a subway station up outside into a like giant i would assume it's like a towing lot like it's like a big car lot Mm -hmm. that is a big gate that then he closes like no one's not hearing well, I was going to ask you about that because you're you're better traveled than I am. The first movie takes place in New York City, and it's very much kind of similar to like the Driller Killer, um, which was 77. This was 80, but it was still very much that seedy New York that yeah. is its reputation. Um, they made a decision to have this one in L.A., and I, I'm still not really following it because they made it sound like L.A., would have a better chance of you being somewhere at night and it's specifically downtown LA and it's a place that you're not supposed to be and you don't want to be and there might not be anybody around to help you. And I'm like, I'm like, are we really pitting LA against New York? Well, LA is pretty spread out though. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. So the population is, especially at night, probably not centrally located anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I've not been to downtown L.A. at night. <sighs> also, do they have a subway? Yeah, I think so. And you know what? They bought it from like uh, they bought it from like Japan. It was like 60 years old and they bought it from them like uh, like they, they literally the L.A. The city bought a shitty old subway system from like an Asian country to, to put in L.A. Wow. Yeah, okay. it's an old city. Well, no one uses it, so <laughs> maybe that is realistic. There was no one on the public transportation in L.A. That might be the most realistic part yeah. of the movie now that I think about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, it is. It, 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 you, but you that's bring the up- only kill where I'm like, eh. all yeah. the other ones are pretty good 
subtle stalkery or they're at least alone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the other things, I mean, for all the, the gore and everything, one of the things that I think is really unsettling about this movie, maybe it goes back to one of those fears of mine of the, the losing your mind or whatever. The scenes that almost get me as much as the gore are there are times throughout this where his schizophrenia is really acting up. It's a, I guess, a schizophrenic flare up. Right. And he gets things get really dizzy and they do some stuff with sound. Yeah. And um, he get a gets, lot of like overexposure. Like, yeah, it's very light. And he gets very I did like that. Very panicked. And because like, as the viewer, you become aggravated. Yes. And a little disoriented. Yes. Yeah. And so those scenes, yeah, those are super effective. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like if you ever have any social anxiety, it's like what happens is exactly what you don't want to happen. <laughs> like if you feel like you're sweat, like sweating somewhere or whatever, you don't want somebody to be like, are you okay? Like that's the last <laughs> fucking thing in the world that you want to happen. <laughs> and, at least, and of course, everybody always is like, Frank, are you all right? You know, you're like, oh, fucking kill me. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, they do a really good job of, of setting that up. And um, one thing though, uh, Spoiler. Were you shocked by Anna's death at the end? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I thought she would make it. It's kind of happenstance, right? Do you think she's getting away? She hops in a car. Somebody stops. You know, <laughs> uh, Frank is chasing her um, after she stabbed him with a mannequin hand, which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, but she gets hops in a car. They go all of, I don't know, 25 yards before they run into something. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, that whole sequence was another one where I'm like, hey, like she's sprinting and he is fucked up. Like, yeah. How he caught up to her. There's yeah. no way. And then he gets hit by a car and is still like, well, I still have the strength to now like subdue you and bring you back yeah or does he kill her there was that after that no she she i forget well, the sequence she of is in the she's in the car accident because she yeah. hops in the oh, car does, she, does he kill her right after the car accident well she's she really dies as a result of the car she's okay. dying that's um, right so she is yeah, so, like the driver like they're both fucked up from this 25 miles yeah, an hour right but yeah, she's severely fucked. She's got this really deep cut on her chin, on her cheek. Yeah. And she is she's in the process of dying. Now That's he does right. scalp her. Um and and she I'm sure, you know, dies after that. Yeah. Then we get uh we get an ending. Oh boy, do we get an ending yeah. where the mannequins come to life um and are are now kind of closing in on Frank. And they do a lot more than close in on him. Yeah. Um Here's I, our second out of POV moment in yes. the movie. And I think you said, I can't remember if you said it or I thought it, but it was something along the lines of like, oh, God, the leg, because they pull his leg off. Like, oh, that's the first I think, thing. I think you just think in my voice. Maybe that's what yeah, I, cause I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember that happening. I think. Well, yeah, because when they're, these mannequins come to life and they begin tearing at Frank's flesh, yeah. and they pull his lower leg off. What and, the fuck? Yeah. And then pull his face off. Yeah. And um, and he's Nick Cage under it. <laughs> yeah. Talking like John Travolta. <laughs> right. right. Um, but yeah, they, they literally do pull his face off. And it's really crazy because ultimately when his face is pulled off, it reveals a mannequin version of himself. 
Well, yeah, it's the little boy mannequin, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So now, but but the very ending is when the sort of SWAT team, which, by the way, because there's a, a serial killer on the loose, which, you know, that's happening in the real world, that people know that these beautiful women are being killed. When they find him, he appears to, it's not very clear in the first one, he's committed suicide. Yeah. I think that's supposed to be the impression in this one as well. Or, or that the SWAT team has killed him. Yeah, he's just kind of sitting there motionless. Yeah. You're, I guess you assume he's dead. Yeah. Yes. I read in the original, it's got a dumb stinger where he like opens his eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. In, in the, yeah, the 1980 version. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it all boils down to, um, you know, if somebody's listening and they're like, why would, why would anybody even make this movie? Why would anyone watch this movie? I think it really goes back to um, that main word of of like objectifying someone um, and how that's not a great thing to do. You know, you need to treat people like people. And so you have the objectification of his mother toward him. Like she's treating she's not treating him like a human. She's just doing these horrible things. He's just something in the way. And then he, as a result of seeing that objectifies women as just these things to keep around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, you know, he himself is, is this object at the end. Um, so it's, uh, it, I guess be nice to your kids, <laughs> you know, yeah. if be you're there for them. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it, it kind of begs the question, like, is he a bad guy? He's doing, I mean, he's doing horrible, horrible things, but is there, I'm not justifying what he's doing by any stretch, but are you watching this seeing, saying to yourself, this is someone who is so severely mentally deranged that they are incapable of controlling themselves. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Especially through his POV. Yeah. yeah. There's no, there's no doubt. Right. Right. He has few normal moments. When he first meets Anna, uh, and that's about it, where I'm not like, oh, he's heavy breathing or is creeping on something. I mean, in that moment, he does seem taken a little aback, and she's definitely the aggressor Yeah, as far as conversation goes. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, is he a bad guy? Yeah. Is he Now, here's a question for you, though, if we're talking about labels and what I just said about a serial killer. Would you call what he's doing, would you call him a serial killer? Yeah. I don't know. I guess I would too, but it doesn't, I mean, doesn't that just mean killing multiple people? Well, I suppose with a pattern. Yeah. That, that checks all the boxes, (laughs) I suppose. But I guess it's just like a, a serial, like when you think of serial killers, you think of like somebody being a little bit more, uh, they're, they're more a part of the production. You know, like they're they're aiming for this, like for him. I don't even know if he's thinking about killing because what he says to the agent is she says, please don't kill me. And he says, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to keep you. Right. So I'm not even sure if he looks at it as I'm going to take your life, which is what you would think a serial killer would be after. Yeah. For power or whatever, whatever reason they do it. Well, yeah, I don't know if being a serial killer really falls into any sort of like mental slot i think it's just like do you kill a lot of people with the same are you a serial killer yeah do you do you come here often yeah (laughs) right Right. um yeah do you kill serially (laughs) 
seriously. Do you kill serially? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. OK, so by definition, he is a serial killer. Yeah. Um, but uh, now, yeah, it, he's not like, you know, uh, the Zodiac killer where he's like, ha ha, look what I'm doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Ooh, Zodiac killer. That's another that there's another stabbing moment that stuck with me. Uh, if you ever saw Zodiac, like he like approaches just this couple like out in a park like a yeah. national park but it's like out in the middle of nowhere uh-huh. and ties them up and then like just like just kind of stabs one while the other watches oh god yeah that is, that is that the one with brutal. jake Hall? yes it yeah. is yeah 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 mark ruffalo no uh-huh. wait is mark ruffalo yeah, i think that? i think he is i think robert downey jr is in that i think he is yeah yeah i gotta rewatch that I, me too yeah, yeah. um we we do our David Fincher series. There you go. Um, <laughs> we already did seven. I mean, we kind of yeah, peaked. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> like what other ones could we do of his? Yeah, yeah. Alien Three, <laughs> right? But um, no. So I want to go back just real quick. Um, I I, I guess I really enjoyed this. I, I enjoyed this movie a lot. I yeah. I really did. Um, and it has nothing to do with wanting to get Elijah on this show or anything. <laughs> I just I really really liked this movie. I. I felt like it delivered on the the basic front of offering some like hardcore brutality for for horror's sake, you know, to satisfy horror fans. I also think that it it offered some complexity uh, for for his mental state, and on top of that, it had a lot of style. So I, it was again, like I said, checking all the boxes. Like I I really enjoyed it. But you said I heard you say earlier that. Um, that you would not recommend this movie. Well, I said I don't know if I'd recommend it. Okay. I mean, it's a pretty niche movie. Um, I think the POV thing might bother a lot of people or at least put them off about it. Uh, you know, it's pretty brutal to women from yeah. a POV. That can be hard to watch. So, yeah. I mean, unless you're like... And, and it's not like I wouldn't... And not recommend it because it's a bad movie in any way. Yeah, okay. It just can be it can be a pretty rough one to watch at times, but it does have some good creative artistic choices in it. So I'm like conflicted. I don't know. I mean, I would recommend it to the to specific people, but I don't know if I'd recommend it generally. Like everybody, this is even look. one like get your friends together and watch yeah. this. You know, it, it, it's uh, it's a weird one. Yeah, everyone loves Maniac. <laughs> right. Uh, right? Yeah, it's it's not quite there. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 niche, and you're and yes, I could see some people being. Um, if you're not in the frame of mind for it, I could see some people being like, I I'm not getting any enjoyment from watching this. But I think that that's a little bit discounting the the complexity of this the psychology that's going into it. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and argue with somebody who says I'm not comfortable watching a woman get her scalp cut off. Like right. that's I okay, I get it. Like that's fine. Yeah. Um I yeah, I I loved it. I I don't think that uh, I haven't talked about this in a while. And one guy does die and he is a good meat cleaver to the oh, mouth. Oh yeah. That's a pretty good shot. Just after he got a national toothpaste ad (laughs) poor guy of all places um yeah that's that that's that's really interesting and um it's kind of funny here we have an entire movie about violence towards women but i don't feel like the tone of it is what people think of when they think of violence towards women which is like a sort of 
aggressor. I'm going to control you. I'm going to overpower you. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you're lesser than me. It's th- that's not really part of it at all. No, it's more uh, longing and and uh, uh, I just uh, damaged. Yeah, pain. which can be scarier because that can be harder to see coming. Right. If it's just some like hulking monster, you're like, oh, yeah. But if it was little Elijah Wood. Yeah. Who brings a chainsaw on the subway? Like, I mean, that that would tip you off. But it, right. yeah, but even but you're right. Even if it is just a nice looking, like innocent looking young guy, if you are getting those creepy vibes, watch yourself. Yeah. You know, because it is like j- just because we get to see his point of view, like there's no way for him to be subtle about watching these women. Like it's just trained on them the whole. So if I am literally seeing it from his point of view, he is making no bones about just staring at them as they get off the train and then walk by the window. He's just continuously looking at them. Yeah. There's no, there's no way to be like, Oh, here he is just like kind of subtly like looking at her or maybe looking past someone else to see her or something like that. It's just like, here's a camera in your fucking face and it's there's no bones about it. Right. Yeah, he's pretty. You're right. He's pretty brazen, which kind of makes you uh, ask yourself. It's probably not a huge topic to, to consider one way or the other. How long do you think he's been doing this? Right. I mean, it, maybe he's just gotten really good at it or maybe he's just been doing it so long that he's brazen enough to be like. I don't even care anymore. Yeah, that is a good question because I, I mean, mean the it, mannequins that he's got are really only the ones we see the the kills in this movie. Yeah, maybe there he's, aren't like it's not like he comes back and there are ten others already. Yeah, there's only the one because if you remember, he brings back the girl's red hair, your favorite seaweed hair from uh, the dating website, and then there's uh, hey, let me introduce you to my girlfriend. There's a mannequin in the bed. Yeah. So like, but that's only one. But isn't one. that the first one, the one that he follows from the bar? Oh shit, it is. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, who knows? So how? that might just be the start of it. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, unless I, he's I, lying about the family business, which I would believe, because no way that mom was also restoring antique mannequins, or she was really bad at it and had to have a second income. I mean, that would <laughs> okay, that would that kind that of explain, be, yeah. <laughs> right? You know. Um, but, uh, this is keeping the shop open. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just doing this so I can go to college and keep my mannequin store open. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it's, um, it's, a, it is an interesting movie. It is, um, if you're looking for something with a little bit of a different flavor, uh, it certainly has it. Uh, I, you had not heard about it. No, um, I don't think it's probably very well known, but, um, it, it's so stylish and interesting. I, I think it's worth it. Now, let me ask you, I'm going to one final thing. I know we've been talking about this POV to death, but really interesting question. It's a pretty core feature of the movie. It is. Do you wish that the POV would have been introduced and maintained, but not consistent all the way through? Like, do you feel like, okay, I get it. Some scenes are going to be POV. Some of them are, are not going to be just so that I can rest in that kind of comfortable, familiar spot as a, uh, a, a viewer of this movie. You don't have to show it to me all the time. Right. Or do you think that the movie needs to have it? The I whole think, time? well, I don't know for me, it at least worked being POV all the times because yeah. in the times it's out of POV feel very significant. Yeah. If we're just kind of going back and forth, I mean, not to say that, you know, these people aren't professionals and they aren't making 
choices as to when to do it. Um, I it just I feel it works. If you're gonna fucking do it, just go with it. Yeah. Uh, and if you have a system set up and you have a committed actor like Elijah Wood who's like, because yeah, if this is a Bruce Willis movie, he's not showing up for those scenes. Right. He's not on camera, right? Right. Right. Uh, and he's gonna do half ass ADR. <laughs> you know, he's not working hand in hand with the DP and, yeah, sure. and with the the crew to get the right feel or anything like that. So yeah, I, I mean I. I, I, I said it earlier, I thought the POV would distract me, but it didn't at all. I, you kind of forget about it. And well, then when it cuts out, it's like, oh, right. And I yeah, and I want to tell the audience, too, because there are some people that are like, um, oh, I can't think of one. There have been a, a movies recent and like, let's say, in the last five to ten years that had a real handheld quality to them yeah. that some reviews are like. I just literally couldn't even handle like watching it because it was so bouncy and, and shaky. Right. This movie is not that like if, if you're thinking like, oh, I don't like that stuff when the camera's bouncing, bouncing around all the time. I don't care for that. It's not always like that. Yeah, they don't you, try and get the natural feel of a person like it is smoother nice, than that. Smooth, sometimes steady cam. Yeah. 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 So, um, well, now that uh, you've had some time to think about it, would you recommend this movie? <laughs> I mean, the uh, just universally, know. just universally, universally. No, really? but it's not because it's bad. I just don't think a lot of people would like it. Okay. Okay. Um, it's uh, like it. Uh, this is just one that's like a. It's obviously a passion project for the people involved. It's a very niche project. Very niche movie. If you like French people, <laughs> check it out. I don't know. I don't know. I can't say if I'd recommend it or not. Yeah, there. I will tell you this. I Maybe mean, I'll say I hesitantly recommend it. There is no humor in it. I mean, no. I, I'll say that. The only one, there's only one line that I laughed at where when the mannequins are kind of descending on him at the end and um, one of them says, uh, Frank, don't, don't you want to take a bubble bath? And he just goes, no, I don't. <laughs> Like that was kind of funny, but yeah. not meant to be. But yeah, there is. They don't. Um, I think I know what you're saying. They don't. Uh, they don't offer up a lot of breathers. No. You know, there, there's not like, oh, that scene was funny, or we'll, we'll, you know, pepper it with some humor or just some lightness. Like it's, it's pretty focused and in the zone the whole time, and you yeah. don't really, you don't really get a in a, this a rest. sick guy's mind the entire time. Yeah, yeah. So, no, okay, I see from that angle, like, it might not be for everybody. I recommend it just um, based on just the filmmaking itself. I, I also really like it as an experience. I mean, it's it's not a laugh riot, but I think it, um, I don't know, I think it's... This just, wasn't like Driller Killer, where I was like, you've got to see this. Like, this is, it's kind of fun, it's interesting, it's well-made, but it's also kind of crackers. Right. Like, this is just kind of, like, dirty. Okay. But not like a chainsaw dirty which is also fun dirty right like this is just kind of like a uneasy dirty right 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 okay um no and i i mean you start pulling people's scalps off and i mean who could argue i i I know exactly what you mean is it that easy well boy it it does want to come right off doesn't it man all you need to do is make a five inch incision on the front hairline that thing just pops right off yeah it's like finally like it's just like (laughs) 
when you've been working out and your shirt is like soaked with sweat, you've been mowing the lawn, and you get inside, you just want to rip that fucker off. Yeah, like that's that's, that's, that's what... scalp comes off. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can see why the Indians did it so much. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and to say it. <laughs> uh yes. So uh no, I I I like this movie a lot. I think it's very cool. I I like it more than um I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe if, if you like a little bit more of a straight ahead thing, like I like this movie more than than a midsummer. Like I I I like oh. it I like it more um I don't know, it's just more I guess I'm just more old school when it comes to horror. Like sure. just it's just li- a little bit more linear. Yeah, this did feel I mean, I, again, like I said, 6 million dollar budget. I don't know what that went to work. I I think you're right. Cuz this feels like a low budget. Yeah, movie. Well done, but yeah, you're you're right. There's not a lot. It's not like there's giant explosions or anything. No. Yeah. But yeah, it has that like kind of old school gritty feel mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Again, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would recommend it, but I don't know to who. You 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 don't know to who, but if you did know somebody that you knew would be up for it, then you I would, would totally recommend oh, okay. it. Okay, that yes. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's conditionally recommended. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's yeah. That's good. All right. I like that. All right. Is that it? I, I think that's yeah. It. This is yeah. like uh, yeah. I, I'm actually impressed I talked this much about it because I was thinking today, I was just like, man, I don't know what to say about this movie because <laughs> it is unlike a lot of movies that we've watched. So, uh, but yeah, you know, conditionally, I recommend it. <laughs> so that was Maniac from 2012. Next week, we're going to continue with Elijah. Would you please come on the podcast? We're going we're gonna to lighten it up a little bit. 1998, it's The Faculty. Another Night of the Creeps ish yeah. movie. Uh, What's going on with Josh Hartnett's hair? Yeah, yeah, that uh, a fun cast. John Stewart, yeah, Robert Patrick, oh yeah, is in it. Yes, now everyone remembers him from our Suicide Squad episode. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, uh, join us next week. The faculty that'll be a lot of fun. Check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Uh, please send us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Huge thank to our patrons. You help uh, make this show possible. Check us out, patreon.com slash slumberpodcastmassacre. Uh, hit us up for a review or something wherever your podcast, like on Apple. Go to Apple Podcasts and uh, rate us. Give us five stars and be like, they conditionally recommend my favorite movies. <laughs> uh, uh, is there another little bit to the end I forgot? No. That was it, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, Tim, do you got anything else to say about Maniac? Well, you know, we, we cover a lot of stuff on this podcast. And, I mean, sometimes we talk about uh, we talk about fashion. We talk about the technical side of filmmaking and everything. One thing we don't touch on, on too much is uh, the subject of personal grooming. One thing that this movie, if nothing else, will teach you is if – when washing your hands, because I know that it's a big deal in this pandemic age, do not use steel wool. <laughs> Don't. It's not recommended. That opens it. It, right it up. will clean. Steel wool is the goddamn miracle of society. It will clean everything in the world. Don't rub it on your hands. Right. Just Good advice, Tim. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.